No budget nightmares. No budget nightmares. If you got just a little money but a whole lot of heart, Doug and Mo will sit back and watch your art. It's their duty just doing their part. Now let's hear if they recommend it or not. No budget nightmares. No budget nightmares. No budget nightmares. Mo Porn and Doug Tilly. No budget nightmares. No budget Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to No Budget Nightmares. This is Mo. He's a bad film hating while I skating all the while masturbating. That's, That's Mo Pawn. Yeah. yeah. And with me, as always, is the one and only Doug Tilly. He's bow, Doug bow, Tilly. Bow, bow, number bow, one super bow, guy. Bow, bow, bow. Hi, Mo. We're back again on No Budget Nightmares. How are you doing? Uh, I'm feeling technically difficult. Yeah, we're having some technical <laughs> difficulties once I, again. I feel like every episode starts with us saying, we're having some technical difficulties. No, it's really only become difficult over the last couple of episodes. I think it was a yeah. Skype update or something that's kind of fucked things up. And some people have given me suggestions in regards to what we should use instead of that. And mm. all of them have their own particular issues and a lot of that has to do with how we record our show anyway and the yeah. fact that we incorporate sound clips and all that crazy jazz tons of foibles tons of foibles but uh but we're still we're raring to go mo because it's the month of october you and i it's our favorite month isn't that correct absolutely you, why is that um because the lead up to the federal election in the united states of america god i cannot wait for it to be fucking over it's already a, for fuck's sake can it finally it, be over it feels like it has start it, it has been lasting for like like seven years it just feels never ending and it feels it also feels like you wake up every day and you're like i'm gonna face the day and then you hear something that's like oh i just don't want to deal with this anymore it's like what did that fucking cheeto dust monster say this time <laughs> oh my fucking god hey hey let's not get political here <laughs> i don't i don't give a fuck <laughs> I, I don't give a fuck you know there's 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 absolutely you know no i'm not even gonna get there i'm not even gonna go there whatever okay. anyway you, you need to calm not, down is, we need yeah. to focus on the positive today <laughs> right it's 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 horror month it's october halloween's right around the corner um and then the speaking of horror mo did yeah. you realize that what's going on in your country right now with your political system it's terrifying <laughs> that it's a fucking horror show yeah I, <laughs> trust me i know <laughs> I, I'm scared, very much so. But we're talking about a different kind of horror. We're talking mm-hmm. about a horror movie. Yes. If you, can, best- if, if you can fucking call it that, because, I mean, really. And it's really the best kind of horror movie, uh, which is one that yeah, was made please- for- Please explain that. <laughs> <laughs> Which is one that is filled with creativity and uh, brought to life with the minimum of resources. And, and this is the key, one that was... Almost completely unseen for a very long period of time. Yeah. And then through uh, nerds on the internet. As if by magic. As if by magic (laughs) from the nerds of the internet. It was brought forth for us all to ironically enjoy or perhaps sincerely enjoy. I don't enjoy anything ironically. No? Well, then do you enjoy anything? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. There's like 15 layers of ironic detachment. (laughs) 
<laughs> no, I mean, like, like here's the thing. Like, I don't believe in the idea of, like, guilty pleasures. You know, like, I feel like if I enjoy something, I'm genuinely enjoying it. You know, like, even if it's utterly ridiculous and utterly terrible, like, I don't feel like I'm enjoying it ironically. I feel like I'm genuinely enjoying it. So, well, you know, I mean, well, and, and maybe I am enjoying it ironically, but either way, it's giving me genuine happiness. I think the reason people like listening to No Budget Nightmares, some people anyway, <laughs> is because we, I think we take a very sincere approach to the yeah, movies. Yeah, we're very serious. Yeah, we're serious because <laughs> we want it to be good because we always go in with the hope that something is going to be good. And I think there is a bit of a disappointment, to, to like a real kind of audible disappointment when something isn't good. Right. And the, thi- and the thing about that is because... Not only do we have to talk about that thing that we don't necessarily like for two hours, <laughs> but we also have to like watch it in a really ridiculous amount of detail and write really detailed notes on it. Yeah, 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 and, yeah. And it's like, I don't want to deal with this if the movie's bad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I barely want to deal with that when the movie's good. <laughs> but this, uh, the feature on this episode of No Budget Nightmares, what is it again, Mo? Tales from the Quad Dead Zone. Mo, what? does quad dead mean it's the fuck out of me i mean if i were to break it down i would assume four times dead i don't which know would, which would suggest that there are four stories in the, <laughs> in the feature and there certainly are not no there are not um it is an anthology movie from chester noble turner in uh, the in pro- the loosest sense of the word uh yes very much so as we'll get into and um let's get into briefly the background on chester noble turner who was a filmmaker an african-american filmmaker in the mid 80s who made uh black double doll from hell which is by far his most famous film yeah because that that one actually got distributed mm-hmm. this one tales from the quiet zone basically were self-distributed uh after that film came out and uh because of its self-distribution and the fact that it was so limited it has become uh, up until what uh, mid late uh, 2000s and even up to today one of the most expensive VHS tapes that it, exists it is yeah i remember uh when i first heard about it i'm like oh that sounds like a fun addition to my collection so i looked it up online and i'm like nope <laughs> it is so fucking expensive and like whatever i mean i get it i understand horror collectors are horror collectors but they're also killing the entire fucking market for the you know, for everybody else, but you know, yeah, this is a this is an ungodly expensive tape, right? And which is so kind of ironic when you consider what's actually on the tape is so low budget and I, kind of I, threadbare. I, I wouldn't be surprised if buying one of these tapes cost more than making the movie did. Now, now, fishing line is expensive. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and how about those sandwiches, Mo? <laughs> Why didn't they just cut them in half? Okay, we'll get into that. <laughs> we will We will get into that. But uh, the other part of this story isn't just that uh, getting Tales from the Quiet Zone on VHS would be very expensive. Right. But also that for a very lengthy period of time, people thought that Chester Noble Turner was dead. Uh, right. Because there was, I think, a similarly named person who passed away in a car accident. Also, there's a person named Chester Turner who's a serial killer, I think, uh, who is not the same person. <laughs> oh, thank goodness. But uh, Chester was then found just a few years ago. Uh, he was discovered. It was discovered he was not dead at all. Surprise! Um, <laughs> and his uh, and a copy of Tales in the Quiet Zone was not only um, found and then released on uh, special edition DVD, but like he kind of was brought back into the forefront and realized kind of the cult that existed around his films. And I think it's actually a really nice story. There was a great article in the New York Times back in 2013 kind of explaining, kind of breaking it down. As with most things, it involved 
Zach Carlson, Lars Nielsen from the um, uh, Austin, Texas, and mm-hmm. them kind of tracking down and uh, and finding these uh, rare. Uh, you know, very similar in some ways to like Miami Connection and things like that. Right, Just kind right. of bringing it to the forefront once again. So we're kind of lucky to be able to enjoy, whether you enjoy it or not, Tales from the Quad Dead Zone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The movie, the DVD has a audio commentary from uh, Chester and the lead actress. And we'll get into her as well. We're going to get into everything. Oh I, boy, I are we. Yeah. Now let's uh, let's go into the specs of the movie briefly before we talk about the actual plot. It's shot on videotape. <laughs> Big surprise there, and it uh, the videotape on even on the like the digital the DVD version of it it is uh, there's all these tracking issues on the top and bottom of the screen. This is obviously the best source that is available for this movie at least up to this point. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we you know we're not going to complain about that. There are some audio issues I would say throughout. I would say that the audio in this is unfucking bearable. Well, no, I wouldn't go that far. I, except I, sometimes, I, yes. Yeah, I would say for a like there are like there are some very very rough leveling issues. Um, like <laughs> when like whenever incidental music is playing, good mm-hmm. good luck understanding what anybody's saying, or whenever there is like an effect on a vocal. Uh, like, like a vocal effect on something. Yeah, you're right. Exactly. Don't expect to understand a fucking word anybody is saying. But, I mean, if there's people... Actually, half the time when people are just talking, you can't understand what they're saying. But, that being said, it's not a bad movie. That being said, it's also not hard to follow the plot because nah. we're not talking about... And, and no offense to Mr. Uh, Turner here. We're not talking about Shakespeare here. These it's, are very simplistic stories. Though I do have yeah. to say that the first of the stories that we're going to be discussing is by far the most confusing. It's batshit crazy and makes no sense. And there is no actual story. No, I wouldn't say. Well, I guess we'll talk about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, when we get to it, we'll get to it. Uh, are there any other... Any, any other technical issues we should talk about. Okay, we should mention, by the way, yes, this is an anthology movie to an extent in that it has a framing story and two segments within it. Yeah. Two, yes. And two. one of those segments is much shorter than the other, which is very strange. Yeah, I mean, not necessarily. I mean, like, it's it's fine to have to have segments that are shorter than the others, but I, I my bigger concern is the fact that there's only two. Yeah, there's, and yeah. that's so. Now, one thing I've read is that originally Black Devil Doll from Hell, Chester Turner's first movie, was actually going to be a segment in this movie, and you can actually see actually several parts in the the context of the framing story where it looks like they could have fit in another story. Right. So absolutely. It, it seems likely that that's what the plan was, because especially because, and this is the other technical thing we should mention, this movie just runs an hour. <laughs> yeah, it's super super short. But with that all said, Mo, let's talk about this movie called Tales from the Quad Dead Zone with its delightful three stories. <laughs> I wonder if, with the idea that it was going to be four stories and that it was called Quad Dead Zone and maybe that's why, I wonder if there was a suggestion they should change the name, but they already had the book with the title on it. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, I'm not fixing this now. <laughs> Uh, the film Tales from the Quiet Ed Zone is dedicated to the memory of Chester N. Turner Sr., the father of Chester Turner Jr. Uh, and that's, uh, uh, I mean, I think actually it's kind of nice that he made this in tribute to his father. Sure. And and then it was gone for so many years, but now it's actually available in a form that, you know, you could actually appreciate that mm-hmm. at this point. Yeah. But after that, we get some fucking weird music. <laughs> yes. Yes, we do. Describe the music to me, Mo. 
Uh, okay. The best way I can describe it is that if you were to speed it up to 1.5, it sounds like Wesley Willis. I, I said the music is like a mix of Wesley Willis and John Carpenter. Yep, see? There you go. <laughs> Boom. Nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> but this music isn't just music in the opening, Mo. It's accompanied by what I refer to as an opening rap. Yeah, in the loosest sense of the term. But yeah, it's there. All right, let's have a little listen to this and see how loose the term is. <laughs> Loosey goosey. If you like your terror, adult being strong, welcome here, you can't go wrong. Dolls will kill, the dead will too. It's all right here to entertain you. <laughs> oh my. Yeah, and and that's uh that voice. I think that actually might be Chester Turner doing the voice. Um, all throughout these opening credits, which have some drawings in the background, which we'll talk about in just a second. There, there is like these, the like little rhymes like that, and then just someone going hee 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 hee. Right, right. It's disturbing and weird, and actually does kind of prepare you for the disturbing, weird movie you're about to see. And the best part about that, did you happen to grab that audio thing that I that I asked you to? Yes, I did. Okay, because back in the early 2000s, me and some buddies of mine, and I've talked about these many times on the show, that me and, me and my buddies made these movies. And when I first heard that, I said, holy shit, that's the Leonard Cohen, the Leonard Cohen Fly Girls. Which the opening intro bit sounds like this. All right. Presenting, presenting the Leonard Cohen Fly Girls. All right, you, 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 cut it, cut it there. <laughs> what? What were you doing, Mo? That wasn't me. That wasn't me. That was my buddy Ben, uh, who is certifiably insane. In the best possible way. But, like, when I heard that voice, I'm like, holy shit, that's the fucking intro to the Letter Cohen Fly Girls. And it's just, it just made me laugh so fucking hard. <laughs> they stole your idea a good 20 yeah, years Yeah, 20 earlier. years earlier. <laughs> okay, so over the opening credits, which is like red text over a series of stills. Yeah, so there's images that play in the background. And the images were actually drawn by uh, the lead actress in this mm-hmm. movie, uh, who's... Name is uh, Shirley Jones. So Shirley (laughs) is actually a big part of the making of this movie. She's all over the credits. Oh, one other thing to mention about the credits is that some of these names are just made up people. They're not actually, they don't actually exist. Yeah. (laughs) Which is fine. Um, What's notable about these images, Mo? Um... I, I I don't know, man. I couldn't make any of them out. It's difficult to tell what the fuck they are. Yeah. And they only make sense in the context of having watched the movie. <laughs> uh, but the final image is very, very important. Are you are you, I was gonna say, are you waiting for me to respond? Because I just told you I didn't know what any of them were. <laughs> the final image is of a weird face. Oh, the, the the fucking mad ball candle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's a mad ball. Now, for uh, some of our younger listeners, mad balls were these balls <laughs> in the 1980s. And they were they were angry. They were popular. Very popular balls that were shaped like monster faces. And they were cool. They were very cool toys. They were very cool toys, and you could bounce them. And I don't know how – like, thinking about that now, it's like, we're going to sell kids a bunch of balls 
which look like weird things and they don't bounce very well. Well, it's like, yeah. how the fuck are you going to do that? Just make them really weird looking. See, I always liked the football ones better because at least you could still sort of throw them like a football. Yeah. Where, whereas like the other ones, you try to bounce them off anything, you like hit the nose and it goes flying off in a different direction. They, those, I always thought the, the, like the ball, the actual ball ones were just cooler to just have sitting on your shelf. For those who are like, what? No one had those in the 80s. Not only were, were they very popular, there was like a cartoon, at least a cartoon VHS movie. Yeah. I don't know if it was a series or not. And there was like a comic book series mm-hmm. dedicated to these characters. Yeah. Mad Balls. And there was a there's a uh, a punk band um, called Mad Ball. They're a hardcore band, but yeah. Could you explain the difference? I have another podcast, Mo, about Eric Roberts. <laughs> the difference between between punk and hardcore? Isn't hardcore just an offshoot of punk? It's essentially, well, there's hardcore punk, but there's hardcore and there's punk. It's really just a matter of how angry you are. How about grindcore? Grindcore is a totally different thing. Yeah, explain it. I can't, man. Nobody can explain grindcore. Tales from the Quad Ed Zone was edited, (laughs) written, produced, and directed by Chester N. Turner. Yes, this is, it's not a one-man show, but he obviously does a lot here. I have to give Chester Turner credit, even though his voice is on the soundtrack, he does not appear in the movie, and that Mm. is something that most filmmakers of this era would have definitely done. Oh, absolutely. And the movie itself starts, outside of the Mad Ball, with a woman very loudly doing the dishes. Oh my god, it's just, like, just awful from the very beginning. Yeah, she's, she's talking to her ghost son, Bobby, Mm-hmm. And, like, while she's clanking plates together to make it seem like she's washing them. And, like, you cannot hear a fucking word she's saying because she's <laughs> clanking so loud. Mo? It's like pantomime, woman. Mo? What? That boy ain't right. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah, he, she's talking to a ghost. Damn it. Um, damn it, Bobby. <laughs> And the ghost, we know it's a ghost because it's a hanging mug. It's like a mug just hanging in the air. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's, she's like, she's like, uh, I'm gonna try not to do any impressions because they'll all come off sounding horribly racist. So, uh-huh. I'm, so I'm not gonna do any impressions. But she asks, she asks the son to grab the cup off of the, uh, off of the table and to be careful because she's already broken several at this point or because he's already broken several at this point she's very poor well of course he yeah. has because he is just a piece of fishing line he's a- <laughs> <laughs> but she tells him to go into the other room and she'll come in in a minute and tell him a story which uh I, i'm sure listeners who haven't seen this movie can understand how this is going to break down in terms of the the uh segments for the anthology movie sure but but that then proceeds to, in order to, to make that effect happen, they have uh, the camera pan again across like a living room. Yep. There's a part where like some uh, a leaves on a plant kind of shake for a second to yeah. show that he's gone by them. And then there's a, an imprint that appears on the uh, chair that he sits on. It's I, actually really well done. I was I, really impressed. I have to say that the quote unquote ghost effects in this movie are the best thing about it. You know, with the exception of the cup, the cup's ridiculous. But like, well, there's, an, there's a ridiculous cup coming up. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, howdy, is there? Um, but like, yeah, like him sitting on the chair and like them pulling the lines down to make it look like somebody's actually sitting. I love that. I thought that was fucking great. They're also obviously very uh, happy with that effect because they show it like they all use the- it a whole bunch of times. We need to talk about how the how Bobby yes, yes, talks yes. to his mother. Uh-huh. 
I, because, I, was like, I was just about to bring it up. Because this is probably my favorite thing in the entire movie. So the way he talks to his mother is through these <laughs> wispy sort of noises. <laughs> you know, yeah. And the wind blows his mother's face. And every single time she looks like she's like a beauty commercial reject, you know? Right. And she's just like moving her head around, like letting the wind take her. And it's just fucking brilliant. It's such a brilliant move in acting. I adore it. Every time she fucking does it. As you probably already guessed, Mo, that was done by having a hairdryer <laughs> outside of the frame. Hey, it doesn't have to be expensive to be fun. That's exactly right. So she arrives in the living room and the boy uh, gives her, Bobby, gives her a book to read a story from. And that's done using like a really weird, like a chroma key effect yeah. um, that they use a couple of times. It's actually uh, it's not unnerving. Bad. <laughs> it's, it's not that bad. And he gives her the book called Tales from the Quiet Dead Zone. See, I, li- I uh, like I like how the book appears and then like the wording appears on the book. It's a big ass book too. It's a huge fucking book. This might not surprise you either, Mo, but it was actually a Bible. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then she introduces our first story, and that mm-hmm. sounds like this. The name of this story. You get a sense there just of, like, how the sound levels are all really fucked. Yeah. So the first story is called Food 4, question mark. Question mark. And this is by far the most fucked up part of the movie. Yeah. Now, uh, it's going to be hard to explain this in a way to make sense because it doesn't make sense. But uh, And also, the really fucked up part is that she starts to tell the story... And they then cut to the actual action of the story, but her voiceover continues while the audio of the story starts yeah. as well, so you can't understand what the fuck she's saying. Yeah, she's narrating the story the whole time, which is pro- which probably would have made this story make a whole lot more sense if you could understand what the hell she was saying. But instead of having people sort of mind-talking, you know, um, in the background, like they're actually talking, and like there's no dissolve like no fade in or anything like that it's just boom they're talking and you can hear her talking in the background but you can't hear a thing a thing she says i uh, i actually did this episode of this episode of no budget nightmares i approached the movie different than almost any other movie usually i watch the movie and take notes at the same time uh-huh. and maybe I'll, I'll go back over it when i'm grabbing sound clips to see certain parts this time i watched the entire movie without taking notes and then watched it again and took notes that's uh, wild i did the exact same thing and it was it was actually way better <laughs> i probably should do that more yeah I, I was actually thinking the same fucking thing to myself too i'm like <laughs> man i should really watch the movie first before i you know I think it gives a more accurate view of what a, uh, an actual viewer would experience. Sure, sure. Um, so I did pick up a couple of things she says. This family are the Novaks, apparently, and they live outside Kansas City. None of this is important. Nope. <laughs> but what is important is that hunger had become a way of life for them. Right. They are a large family of eight, <laughs> <laughs> and they all get together at dinner time and all rally around a table and they chat with each other. The food is at the center of the table. And we'll talk about the food, Mo. Don't worry about that. Okay. <laughs> the the patriarch, the father, he's at one end of the table and he picks up a bell, 
which he rings, and then he tells a little, uh, he does a little, like, uh, prayer. prayer. Yeah. And uh, after that, he rings the bell again, and then everyone makes a mad dash to the middle of the table to grab the food, and whoever gets it, gets it, and whoever does not has to go hungry. It's the meanest grace in the history of the world. Doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. Gotta it al- say. It also makes no fucking sense. Yeah. But let's, 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 uh, let's hear the grace. Please. Thank God for this food, although we're poor. There's eight of us at the table, and there's only food for four. I mean, it's sad. But they're eating sandwiches. Just cut, just cut the fucking sandwiches in half. So there are eight people around this table, yeah. and there are four sandwiches on the table. <laughs> yeah. I will say that on the commentary for Tales from the Quiet Zone, when they get to this segment, Chester Turner says, people ask me all the time, why don't they just cut the sandwiches in half? <laughs> His answer is that, that, that that's not the purpose of this. The idea is this is a, a, a competition. That some people are not supposed to get food. No, you see, I get that, but if it had been built up to that prior right. to it, right? If it made it doesn't yeah. make any sense in the context because everyone who doesn't get food seems sad, but that includes the dad who doesn't yeah. get any fucking food. I feel bad for the dad because he's at an immediate disadvantage because he has to ring the bell and yeah. attempt to, to, and like you see with the sandwiches, he don't get one. The weird thing also is that like they have bread. But only enough to make like four sandwiches, right? Right. It's and and like the sound. Right? Why don't you just use less? Anyway, it's there's whatever's so, going. Yeah, I also hate to mention this, Mo, but I feel like it's it's it. Black Devil Doll from Hell was one of the things that's really <laughs> unique about it is that it's a uh, a black movie, right? Mm-hmm. It's a, a black exploitation movie, right. except made in the mid '80s. And this movie, for the most part, is as well. But this family are entirely white. Oh yeah, this is this is some country bumpkins. They're rednecks. They are bumpkins. <laughs> All right, they're country bumpkins. Yeah, they're red staters. <laughs> they're flyover staters. Yeah, that's right. They're gonna make America great again. Um, soon, soon, <laughs> soon yeah. that's all the food any of you are gonna have <laughs> oh, <laughs> once the nukes start flying. Oh anyway. my god, I'm gonna start crying. <laughs> <laughs> so. We see this uh, in action. We see them all scramble for the food. And then it just kind of fades out. And then it goes back to... It, we get a title on the screen that says July 16th for some fucking reason. Yeah, my, my notes literally say July 16th like that fucking matters. Like that matters. <laughs> and they're all back around the table again. This all takes place in one room, by the way, this entire yeah. segment. Mm-hmm. The father rings the bell again and does another uh, a prayer. Where in this case he goes, thank God for this food we're about to eat. It'll help us. It'll help keep us alive. There is eight of us at this table, and only food for five. It's a pretty good impression, actually. That's not bad. So he's about to ring the bell, but then one of his, I guess, sons, who's a bearded guy in overalls, mm-hmm. he grabs the bell and runs out of the room. Why does he do that, Mo? Um, because he's pissed off, apparently, and he runs off to grab a gun. In which point he murders. Three members of the family. In, in the in the commentary, the first thing it says uh, they say when uh, when they get to the segment is, "Hey, it doesn't look like he's actually missed many meals." <laughs> but uh, but in, yeah, in honesty, none of them look like they've missed very many meals. And I'm not saying they're fat. I'm just saying they look healthy. Tell me about the matriarch of this family. Um, she has amazing eyebrows. Yeah, they look like they were drawn on by. Um, 
someone who didn't know what an eyebrow looked like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's one of those really fun ones where they look like they just put a ruler on their face and just drew a line. And I'm not insulting her looks. You know, she's a very handsome woman. But... Uh, <laughs> her eyebrows are fucking ridiculous. She does not. She also doesn't have much expression on her face. No, no. <laughs> she did, she seemed very confused. Anyway, while all of these family members, the three family members, are getting murdered, um, I guess they realized that it was kind of uninteresting just to have people getting shot. So they've dubbed over voices that obviously do not belong to these people. Oh yeah, kind of, kind of being like upset about what's happening, and that sounds like this. <laughs> oh no! That's it's, some of the great sound effects from so, this movie. Sounds like the Mr. Bill show. Oh no, Mr. Bill! Oh! <laughs> um, I don't know how like how serious you're supposed to take that while it's happening. Like someone coming out with a shotgun and just murdering their family members. Right, right. But what happens afterwards is the father says he looks around. He goes, "All right, let's eat," and then. They all sit down, and they start eating. Mm-hmm. And then it cuts to the next day, July well, 17th. I, I, like, I like how the son's like, everybody take your seats. You yeah, know? right. <laughs> all right, well, let's eat. You know? I, I do want to say one thing about the filming of this movie, especially that part, because there isn't a lot of ac- real action in the movie, yeah. is uh, there's a really funny thing that every time it switches angles, everyone is just standing still. And then they start moving because right, right. they're they're waiting for him to say like start. But it's great, so it'll be action where everyone's standing still, make a movement, stand still, make a movement. It's, uh, it's, <laughs> and the shotgun blasts are not necessarily the most effective thing in the world either. No, no, it it looks like a uh, like an air rifle that somebody blew cigarette smoke down the yeah. barrel of. Yeah. So what happens on July seventeenth? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Um, more of the same. People die. So, so the father is about to do the uh, prayer, and yeah. the 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 bearded guy growls at him. Right, right. And then, uh, it 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 shows one of the girls sitting at the table up close, and we get her inner monologue talking about how she hopes she gets food. Yeah, she goes. Yeah, she and goes. I hope I'm. Lu-, she goes something like, "I hope I'm lucky this time," or something like that. And, and like, then the, father, the segment the, is yeah, over. The, yeah, well, yeah, sort of. Sort of. What happens? So we're treated. We're we're treated to these like, where are they now? Sort of bits that happen at the end of movies sometimes. Um, you know, and so like the the two sisters who are left because by this point there's there's basically the the father, the mother, the the bearded overall brother and two of the sisters and both of the sisters basically get essentially the same thing where this is on July 21st, <laughs> you know, one of them's shot in the head. The other one takes a shot to the chest. They're, right. they're dead. Then we get a shot of the mother and father and those ones, it says the same exact thing for both of them, which made me laugh. So fucking hard when it popped up because they both said living high on the hog and witness protection. <laughs> <laughs> and it it finishes on the bearded guy. Yeah. And the text on the screen for him says died May 1986 in state gas cha- chair. State gas chair. Ga- yeah, state gas chair. See, and I even in my notes, I even wrote it down wrong because I like I'm correcting it in my head. 
What does? Yeah. What is a, a gas chair? I have no fucking clue. Anyway, it doesn't really matter. But what I want to ask you, Mo, is why what? do the parents? Yeah, or, well, well, why do the parents need to be in witness protection? You know? I don't know what the point of this ending is supposed to be. Like, does the son have like mafia connections? And like, there's this big like gang of hooligans who are out to get him because, as far as I can tell. He's the only bad guy in this situation. So why do they need to be in witness protection? <laughs> Maybe I'm thinking too much. I don't know. It is such a confusing segment. And by the way, it lasts like seven minutes. It is yeah. so goddamn short. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they don't. And- they don't. They don't show the parents calling the cops on the son. Um, it, it, they don't. Under, there's no understanding as to why they need to be in witness protection. Uh, it, it's just, and then it just ends. Yeah, it is. It's. I would say it's strange, except once it ends, it goes back to uh, Bobby's mother, who's yeah. still telling the story. Yeah. And she says, that was a strange tale, wasn't it, Bobby? Yeah. yeah no fucking shit. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine, by the way, this in story form. Yeah. Yeah. Then it showed somebody's face and it said, <laughs> living high on the hog in witness protection program. <laughs> But he breathes in her face to show that he enjoyed it. (laughs) So she says she'll read him another one. And the second story is... I I have time. Oh, no. Let's not do impressions, Mo. Oh, right, right. Sorry. (laughs) I I apologize to uh, any African Americans in the audience. (laughs) The second story is called The Brothers. The Brothers. (laughs) And again, it starts with her telling the story... Of Fred and Ted Johnson. Yeah. And um Now aren't these aren't these two characters actually played by two guys named Johnson? Uh no. Uh Fred Johnson's played by William Jones. Oh. And Ted Johnson's played by Keith Turner, who I believe is the brother of the director. Then where the hell did I get that from? I don't know. I because I actually watched the credits on this one. Well, remember the credits yeah. aren't not necessarily to be trusted. Fair, fair <laughs> uh, that's a fair point. Okay, never mind. So this is a very traditional, in some ways, anthology film segment. Yeah. It is t- it is telling a story about uh, brothers who have spent their entire lives in competition with one another. Fred ended up very rich and successful. Ted works in a factory, and he's like living week to week, paycheck to paycheck. But uh, Ted was very jealous of Fred because Fred has spent his entire life basically trying to get one up on Ted. Yeah. Also, probably upset of the fact that their parents named them Fred and Ted. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, it's, you know, honestly, it's not that bad, except for the fact that Fred's real name is uh, Freddy Adore. Freddy Adore? Yeah, like Theodore. Like, oh, like Fred, 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 Freddy Adore. Eh, whatever. It was a so, bad joke. It was a bad joke. Oh, boy. I didn't even know if it even counts as a joke. It's not. So, there's a couple of notable things here. So, the plot, by the way, is that Fred is dead. <laughs> <laughs> Fred has died, and now Ted is going to the funeral home with some people that are either his friends or he's hired or both uh, to to get the corpse. Right. And that's that's basically the extent of the first half of this story. They're going to be creeping through a funeral home. One other notable thing about this is that the dialogue is really hard to hear. Oh, yeah. It's almost impossible to make out what the fuck is being said. Also, there's another confusing thing in that it's Ted and a friend of his are breaking into the funeral home, but they're going to be meeting another friend of theirs who's already in there? Well, I think, like, if you listen to them talking, um, one of... good luck. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. No, no, trust me. Uh, One of the things you can kind of make out 
them saying is that like, well, why didn't you meet us at the apartment like we planned? So like they didn't know he was going to be there. They thought they they just assumed he didn't show. Oh, okay. Yeah. But and, and that went in, yeah, and that ties in into one of the Yeah, that ties in through one of the the sound clips we have coming up in a little bit. Right. Okay. Yeah. So they look around the um the funeral home. It's it's laborious because uh they're trying to build tension as if something scary might happen. Mm-hmm. There's a part where they go into the basement. For some reason, <laughs> you know what you know what I love about the scene of them walking into the basement is that one of them stops for no reason on the stairs and lets the other guy go ahead of him, and then is all of a sudden like confused as to why he doesn't know where his friend is. Right, like, you just watched him walk down those stairs, <laughs> and uh, while that's happening, there's some interesting music that sounds like this. I can see what you're saying, Mo, about it sounding like Wesley Willis slowed down. Well, yeah, because like it basically just sounds like somebody hit the demo button on a Casio keyboard. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and that's supposed to build tension. It's not necessarily very scary. Well, they should have put some bossa nova in there. So they eventually make their way to the room that I'm sure exists in every funeral home where they just got a bunch of corpses laying on table. Sure, sure. And they're covered in sheets. So they go over to one. And well, if, if, have... you ever, if you ever watch Six Feet Under, you know that that's exactly what they have. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so they approach one and they pull back the sheet. And what happens, Mo? I, I need your explanation on this. I wish I could fucking tell you. They pull back the sheet and it looks like there's some kind of deformed, you know, brutally whatever beaten something there. And then it turns out to be fucking nothing. I I, uh, I wrote down that it looks like someone with spinach dip all over their face. Yeah, basically. <laughs> but yeah, so it cuts. It, there's an insert shot of this weird face. And then it goes back to them looking at... Like, they don't react at all. No. Uh, and then they pull back the sheet on, I guess, a different corpse. And suddenly a hand shoots out and starts choking Ted. Yeah. But it, you know what, Mo? It's just their big joker friend. What a... Dummy. <laughs> he thought it would be hilarious while they're going in to steal a corpse from a funeral home to pretend to be a corpse so he could scare the shit out of his friends. Look, look, this is around the time of Weekend at Bernie, so everybody knows that corpses are funny. One of uh, This is one of their responses, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> That that is a that's actually a very great indicator right there of how shitty the audio is in this one because I don't I'm not 100 percent sure what he says but it's about pissing all over himself yeah I I mean like what you wrote down for the note here is essentially what he says but goddamn it's like really hard to make out. So Ted is actually really pissed off about this joke because he's like, look, this is serious. We're trying to steal a corpse here. Right. right. <laughs> I like he goes, where's the, where's the body? And the guy just points next to him. He's like, it's down there. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, right, it's right there, guys. So they grab the body that's all wrapped up in like a blanket or something. Yeah. 
And they bring it back. Which is head. which is standard procedure for dealing in corpses. Uh, again, I've seen uh, Lucio Fulci's zombies. So, <laughs> so they all go back to Ted's apartment or house or whatever. Whatever. And they celebrate with a round of champagne, Mo. Oh, yeah. And there's one interesting thing about this champagne. It's what Ted drinks it out of. What does he drink it out of? I, I was trying to make it out before. Is it like a skull mug or something like that? Not a skull mug, Mo. Is it just a skull? <laughs> no, it is a mug with a nipple on the side of it. Oh, because, right. It's a boob mug. Yeah, and one of the yeah. other guys calls it a titty glass. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So they make a toast for a job well done. And they're at, like, they obviously have some sort of relationship to each other because they're joking around. And in fact, this is where they, uh, the, the guy who got scared who may have pissed himself, he's he's like, why did you, like, wh- we waited an hour for you. What was going on? And this is what the guy's response is. Remember, by the way, that they're getting paid to do this. Mm-hmm. We waited a whole fucking hour for you. Yeah, man. Both of y'all know what type of practical joke I am. Yeah, man. <laughs> I just couldn't resist the opportunity to scan the shit out y'all. So. <laughs> Damn, why the dog ass funeral home? Shit. Real, man. I gave a million dollars to have a picture of me when I just went up there and grabbed those dead guys. I should note that in my notes right here, it says, is it racist that I kind of don't understand anything they're saying? <laughs> I mean, it is. It's like the dialogue out of, out of a Dolomite movie. But it's, that's, it, it's, it's kind of jive. Yeah. yeah. And it's great. I yeah. mean, again. No, no I love it. I love it. But I, I love it. No fucking clue what the hell they're saying. So Ted gives them each an envelope of money. Of course, we don't see the money because why? <laughs> yeah, right. And um, then he warns them, basically. He's like, you know, if you guys tell anybody about what went down, he's he's not going to go down by himself. He's basically saying that if he gets arrested for this, he's going to bring them down too. Yeah, there's and there's a moment here where the, where the, the other guys are asking, like they ask, uh, who is it, Fred? Ted, who's the live Ted, one? Ted, yeah. Ted is the live one. Yeah. They ask Ted why he got the body, and he's like, well, I got it for revenge. You know? Go, well, let me see. Let me see if I can do it in the tone of the movie. What the fuck you want a dead body for, man? <laughs> and he goes, revenge, man. <laughs> right. And the, other, and the other guys, they just kind of get pissed off at him and leave, but they still have time to say goodbye before it, they go. The tonal shift in how their reaction is is it's, really strange. It's unnerving. Revenge, like, we don't know what his revenge at this point entails. Right. But they're like, what, you wanted to steal dead body for revenge? Right. We thought you wanted to fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, I, and oh, my God. And his, like, his idea for revenge just is so ludicrous. It's kind of great. Okay. <laughs> they leave. Yeah. Ted is alone with his brother, who's dead and wrapped in a blanket. Yes. And then Ted jumps into, like, a lengthy monologue. About how his brother always did better at school than him when he yeah. got a B. His brother would get an A, uh, and that in fact, let's uh, let's talk. Let's let me just play this quick audio clip of him talking about what a rough childhood he had. <laughs> oh, what a rough childhood I've had. Always belittling me in front of Fanny's eyes. You know how important father's approval was to me, but you never let me get it, son of a bitch. 
So that gives you a good idea of the kind of, of anger that he's presenting here. Yeah, and I actually kind of really loved this like little monologue that he has here. It's, he's got know, a point, I gotta say. Yeah, he's got a he's got a point, you know. Um, like he does reveal some some facts of the story, like that his brother uh, that he fell in love with a woman, married her, and her brother stole him stole her away from him just to break up the marriage, and then the wife kills herself. Because he yeah, then breaks up with be, her. Because he broke up with her and told him, told her why he got together with her in the first place. You know, it's pretty fucking demented. Yeah, Fred's a piece of shit. And also, oh, Ted yeah. reveals that 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 he was planning on murdering Fred anyway. Anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was going to poison him and then tell him that he did it while he was dying. But he had a heart attack and died before he could kill him. That that fucking heartless selfish son of a bitch <laughs> he also tells ted or uh, sorry he tells fred the corpse of fred yeah that the shrine that he had built to be buried in that he spent his inheritance money on mm-hmm. that he'll never be buried in that instead right. instead he's going to be buried in the basement of yeah. ted's house yeah so his revenge is to bury the body Except there's one more element to it, Mo. There is one more. Um, he uh, starts to take the blanket. It's so fucking ridiculous. He starts. He starts to take the blanket off, and he's like, "Damn, you naked, brother!" You know, and it's fucking brilliant. Like oh he's my, fucking, Mo. It's fucking naked. <laughs> what? It's what he says. It's what he fucking says. Uh, I'm trying to be accurate here. And, uh, and so he decides, he goes, well, let me see if I have something that I can put on you. Uh, and he brings back a fucking clown costume, which is, is very, a, which is very, a, very timely for, yeah, for what's going on right extremely now. Extremely timely. But this is not a scary clown costume. No, not at unless, all. Unless you consider all clown costumes scary, which you should. I, I uh, it is a full body clown costume, including giant floppy shoes. Yeah, yeah. And a big red nose. And it cuts away for a second, then it cuts to him, and he's dressed up. This corpse is dressed in a clown costume. Don't they make a clown shoes joke at some point? I think so. Yeah. We do get a nice close-up of those clown shoes in a moment. Yeah. Um, and, and so then Ted leaves Fred to go down to the basement to finish uh, digging his grave. Right, and let's, let's not forget that he also puts makeup on his cheeks to give him the big rosy circles, like, clowns sometimes have that's exactly right i got and a huge kick out of that i also think it's funny that with all this planning time that he waited till now to dig the grave yeah yeah <laughs> but the other notable thing about ted's reaction to this thing is that once he has him in this clown outfit he thinks it's the funniest goddamn thing that has ever happened he laughs He's... for a good like five minutes straight let's hear some of this laughter please <laughs> That's just 20 seconds of, of what is like, there's minutes and minutes of just him laughing. I w- yeah, I would argue there's at least five minutes of him laughing. You know? So he goes, and I wish that I could find anything as funny as, as Ted finds the dead Fred in his, in the clown costume. So he goes down to the basement, digs the grave, and while this is happening, 
Something happens to the corpse. What happens, Mo? Yeah, some ghost, I'm assuming, a ghost, yeah. co- comes and, like, possesses the body. I'm guessing it's the ghost of Fred. I don't know. but something- That ghost comes right from the quad head zone. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> You know, it's the, and, it's, and the he, quad, it's the quad dead sense, you know, comes and sit, <laughs> sit, sits down right on the body, reanimates the corpse somehow. Somehow. Yeah. And then the corpse stands up, mm-hmm. I guess, realizing what has been done to it and goes down to the basement to murder Ted. Yeah. Ted, and so Ted finishes. So sorry. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, Ted, he uh, he finishes digging the grave and goes to go back upstairs. And when he opens up the door, Fred is standing there in full clown costume. Yes, he is. And he's ready to kill him. Now, there's something notable about Fred and his clown voice. Tell us about it, Mo. All right. So there's some weird echo effect on his voice. And it is nigh impossible to understand a fucking word he says. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly it. In fact, let's hear a little bit of that. Uh, And this is the most, I think, intelligible thing he says, but you'll get a sense of just how difficult this is. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I can tell that's evil laughter at the end. (laughs) I, uh, I literally only understood the word dead, and I've watched this movie twice now. I'm pretty sure he says, you can't kill me, boy. Then something. Then he says, I'm already dead. I, I will I will say this. When you're watching the film and you're watching his lips move while he's talking, it's a little easier to get an idea of what he's saying. It, But like in this just audio only form, I literally only heard the word dead. So what happens now is that Ted, uh, who's a bit surprised, he gets thrown into the grave. Uh, gets kind of knocked loopy for a second. He gets up, grabs a hammer, hits t- uh, Fred in the head with it, but he's okay. Like, Fred does not – he can't feel pain because he's already dead. Yeah. Then Ted takes a pitchfork, stabs Fred in the stomach. Fred pulls the pitchfork out and then stabs Ted with it and kills him. Yeah, that line that he just played actually was what he said right after he got hit in the head with the hammer. That's right. Yeah, and so he pulls the hammer out. There's no blood on the costume at all, which I thought was hilarious. And then (laughs) he's been embalmed, brother. (laughs) Yeah, I guess I guess that makes sense, you know. Um, And he stabs him, and he reiterates the thing about you know not being able to kill something that's already been dead. That's already dead, and knocks him away. He falls over. He gets stabbed. Ted dies. And then Fred just laughs. Yeah. And, and he leaves. Basically the end of the story. And that's the end. That's not basically the end. That yeah. is the end. <laughs> and so now it's yeah, so now we have a zombie clown walking around. I I mean, I really hope that he goes to his crypt and and, and finds peace there or something, even though he is kind of a piece of shit too. Yeah, I hope uh, he goes to Cave in Rock, Illinois for the next <laughs> gathering of the Juggalos Festival. <laughs> he can go see uh, Mushroom Head. Man, you know, you know who I hope also goes there are all these people who Blaze are... Blaze your dead, homie. Fucking, Anybody yeah, killer. Tech <laughs> nine. <laughs> Dudes on stilts. Are, are you done? Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so that's the end of that tale. Uh, and that goes back to... Uh, Bobby's mother telling the story. She once again, by the way, says that that's a very strange story. 
<laughs> yeah, she says essentially the same thing she did before, yeah. I like how she still thinks that this is appropriate to tell even to a ghost child. Mm-hmm. There's one other really strange thing that happens immediately after the end of that segment, Mo. Do you know what it is? Um, Other than Daryl showing up? No, this is before Daryl shows up. Oh, okay. Uh, then I'm not sure. She says, these glasses are giving me a headache, so I should oh, change wow. them. Yeah. And then she, it just cuts away for a second, and then she comes back and she has a different pair of glasses on. That seems like an odd thing to include, doesn't it, Mo? It seems uh, unnecessary, yeah. Or perhaps they had filmed the next segment before that and realized that she was wearing different glasses and had to explain why the fuck that was. True. That That's the kind of shit that happens sometimes, Mo. Oh, yeah, continuity. I once, when we were it's a ma- fun thing. When we were making Rock, Paper, Scissors, we once filmed for an entire day without realizing that the main character wasn't wearing a mustache. <laughs> Yes. Whoops. It's beautiful. <laughs> so tell me what happens next, Mo. All right. So Daryl shows up. Who's Daryl? Daryl is Bobby's father. But it's really kind of hard to tell that until he comes in and starts talking because she just says to Bobby, oh, Daryl's here, you know. Right. And tells him to kind of like run off to his room, you know. And then uh, and then it's not until like later when Daryl's actually talking and saying, you know, my son died, you know, whatever. Uh, I'm not. Come on, man. It, nothing I'm saying is that bad. Well, uh, let's 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 listen to Daryl for a second. Yeah, his yeah. response to when he gets home. I've actually this this clip is going to be a bit longer than others because you'll get a real sense of how this goes down. Sure. But uh, d- just to break down what you said, Mo Daryl, he thinks that his wife uh, or partner that she's crazy and is talking to her dead son but he's like she's he, he's dead you got to get over it that sort of thing mm-hmm. but he also seems to be an asshole as you'll get across right now what's this it's a book where did you get it from daryl don't need this shit from you today what you mean you don't need this shit i don't need this shit well, damn well, you've been sitting there all damn day reading this book to our dead son, and he's been dead three years, and I'm tired so of this shit. So fucking what? So fucking what? Jesus. So, I shouldn't laugh, because that's terrible, but... No, no, Darryl, no it's, it's awful, but... It, yeah. Daryl has grabbed the book, and at the end of that clip, and it started beating her in the head with it. I like the fact that, like... A, a domestic abuse, you know, situation happens because she's reading. Yeah, she's reading to her dead son, and she says, so fucking what? And he's right. like, so fucking what? Yeah. You dirty bitch! And he just, like, hits her again yeah. and again and again. Yeah, and it's like, she has a good point. Who cares? She's just yeah. reading. Yeah. I mean, it's... He, I think he would have a right to say, what the fuck is this book? This looks crazy. <laughs> right, right. Uh... I should also mention, I think it's important, is that those two segments that we just talked about, thats that those are all the anthology segments we're going to be. This is the rest of the movie now. Mm-hmm. Uh, those all had sort of a, I would say like a quirky tone. Obviously, the first one's very strange. The second one's very traditional. Yeah. What happens from now on is actually weirdly serious. Yeah. Like, and almost depressing. Like, sometimes really depressing. Uh, super fucking depressing. 
So I mean, see, this, see, seeing as this se- this segment of the film starts with domestic abuse, yeah, it's pretty fucking serious and depressing. And this domestic abuse escalates quickly. Real uh, quick. Yeah. He, he beats like they're beating the shit out of each other, and they end up fighting all the way into the kitchen and onto the floor. Uh, and then she reaches into a drawer and pulls out what, Mo? A knife. A knife. And uh, for anyone who was alive in the mid to late 80s and um, ever went out for Halloween, you might recognize these daggers. They have those retractable blades. <laughs> I, I could recognize it right away when I saw it in the movie. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so she takes out this and she stabs him in the stomach and she kills him. Uh, not quite yet, but she is. she's in the process of murdering him. Yeah, I don't even know if he actually dies. Well, because... I mean, I guess. Well, I mean, he calls 911 in a second. Yeah, uh, yeah. But um, in the process of stabbing him, she um, she lets out a lot of anger. And that's what this is what that sounds like. Her saying dance with me is actually pretty badass. No, I, I'm not going to lie. Like, man, like, like you can really, like, feel, like, the catharsis yeah. in, her, in her delivery on this. Like, this is something that's, like, like, a long time coming. And, like, to be honest, you know, like, she probably could have gotten arrested and gotten off on the fucking, yeah. on the fucking charges. So, like, what happens next is almost entirely unnecessary. Except for the fact that she's clearly deranged, you know, in some sense. And, you know, I mean. When she pulls out the knife also, she goes, ooh, ooh, ooh. I don't know why she does that. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, I, yeah. I think it's like her just calming herself down. Oh, when she's like dancing around after. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's a weird scene. It's really weird, again, yeah. because of how serious it's played. Yeah, yeah. So she goes up to check on Bobby and to calm him down about what's just happened. Uh, and Daryl we discover, is not quite dead. He picks up a telephone and says this. Actually, this is one of my favorite lines in the movie. And then he's just dead. Yeah. He's, not, he's not quite dead. Not quite dead. <laughs> He'd be like, this damn bitch is trying to kill me. And she succeeded. The end. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's final words should be the end. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. So she's up in the room with Bobby, who again, remember, let us remember that he is a ghost. <laughs> and she tells Bobby that her daddy, that his daddy is gone far, far away. Though you think that Bobby would be quite familiar with death, considering that he's dead. Right. <laughs> <laughs> she also brought the book with her, so that she can read him a story. And this is where I guarantee you there was supposed to be a third segment. Because it not only does it immediately sort of just cut to nothingness to, to the sound of sirens approaching, when they do cut to that part, there's a uh, change in visual style. You can tell it's a different time of the day. There's obviously something that was supposed to happen there. Mm-hmm. I'm paying attention, see? Attention, Mo. Ah. So he called 911 so you do hear some another- sirens, some sirens outdoors. Uh-huh. And uh and who are these sirens uh connected to? Uh these are the police. The police? Yep. 
And the police are there. And this is a very strange thing. So by the way, the police, it's not a police car. It's just a very cool looking car with one of those um, police sirens that have been placed on the top. Yes. And, and two plainclothes police officers arrive with their guns well, drawn. They're, well, they're detectives. And detectives don't need to wear yeah. uniforms. That's right. <laughs> and they don't need to, they don't need to wait, wait until there's a threat to pull their guns out. Um, yeah. So they... They knock on the door, and she actually acts very traumatized, right? She doesn't know what to do. She's freaked out. She answers the door. They ask her about whether, like, if something's wrong, we just got a call. And she doesn't even, like, really respond. Right. Um, but she lets them in, and he, like, the cop immediately sees that there's a corpse on the floor. Yeah, which is hilarious because she's covered in blood. Yeah. I mean, they obviously, I think they suspect that something might be the matter. Yeah. <laughs> now, one of the cops looks kind of like a cop. And the other cop has this wispy mustache. <laughs> He's a cop. <laughs> um, so, so after they see the corpse, uh, the older cop tells the younger one to read her her rights. He does so by taking out a little card, which is a both a nice touch, but probably necessary for the purpose of this scene. Uh, and then she freaks out a little and starts calling for Bobby. And the older cop um, tells the younger one that that Bobby was her son. That died. So he obviously knew something about this family already. Yeah. And uh, her response is this. Well, we'll just go ahead and cuff and put her in the car. Bobby is not dead. He's not dead. I'm going, I can't leave Bobby here. I, I can't leave him here by himself. You gotta, you gotta let me go to the bathroom. So she wants to go to the bathroom, Mo. Now, you're a police officer. I am, actually. You have, you <laughs> then I take back a lot of what I said. <laughs> um, you have a murder suspect um, in custody, and they want to go to the bathroom. What do you do, Mo? What do you do? You let them piss their fucking pants. Well, because in the case of because you, you, you do not movie, let that you do not let that person out of your damn sight. Well, in this movie. The cop goes to the bathroom to check it out first. They want to make sure there's like not windows you can climb out of and shit like that. Right. However, one thing he misses is a very visible razor blade that is just laying there on the counter. However, they then let her go to use the bathroom and she does not miss this razor blade. And so what happens now is she sits on the toilet and is obviously going through some like really awful mental shit. And yeah. she has flash flashbacks of her time with her son. This is a real hardcore uh, scene. It's super hardcore. It really is. It's really depressing. And like and, and like and here's the thing, like like th- this this actress is acting like in the first half of this film when she's just sort of telling the stories is fucking terrible. Mm-hmm. But like from the from the, the the end of the second story on, like it's really fantastic. Like, yeah. she, like she's really like. Like plumbed into some sort of depth there, like is really like bringing forth like a great performance for like the whole rest of this film. It's very surprising, and like I mean, like honestly, like with the like if you look at this film in like two halves, like the second half, which is really only like the last twenty minutes, you know, it's I mean, like like in and of itself, it's a great segment. Yeah, yeah. Uh, though it it it's not as much. I mean, it it is. It, it tonally it does not fit with the rest no of the movie. not at all it doesn't fit at all but in, but by itself it's great now 
what happens now, you listeners who have not seen the movie, you probably can guess she's going through a crisis. She's alone in a bathroom. She has a razor blade in her hand. You might guess she's going to slit her wrists. That is not boy. Boy, would you be wrong. You'd be very wrong. Yeah. Instead, she says, Bobby, and proceeds to slit her own throat. It's fucking crazy. There's something about watching someone do something like this on 80s videotape. That I think it reminds me of some of those like compilations of like death footage and stuff. Yeah, like it's, the faces of death shit and stuff yeah, like that. Absolutely. It's weirdly disturbing to watch. Yeah, I mean and, and there's even a couple like bigger budget films that come strangely close to uh to that level of, sure. of intensity too. Like uh well, I mean obviously like martyrs, you know, or there was another one too that had a really fucking brutal like very similar, like razor blade to the throat. Suicide. Are you thinking maybe of uh, the, uh, the cache? Cache. That's, what, that's what I was. Yeah, I was. Yeah, yeah. That's the one that I was thinking. Yeah. Now, not to give anything away on that, but that has a no, very no, no, disturbing no, no. suicide yeah. scene that yeah, is yeah, a yeah. lot more bloody than this one. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so the cop who's waiting outside the door, he realizes he looks at his Casio watch and he's like, "Hey, it's been six hours." Or <laughs> <laughs> Knocks on the door. Doesn't hear anything. Forces it open. Realizes that she's killed herself. Calls for the other cop. Mm-hmm. And then we get a title card that says, 21 hours later. <laughs> for no fucking reason. I don't know why it has to be exactly <laughs> 21 hours later. But it we, it cuts to an outside shot of the house. It's almost like it's almost like a joke to break the tension. You know? Yeah, right? <laughs> like it'd be like 21.4 hours. Right, right. Just some arbitrary number. And it uses that chroma key effect again to show, like, uh, what's obviously her, her outline walking towards the house. She goes inside and she reunites with Bobby. Yeah, it's kind of touching. And it's actually kind of touching and a little bit sweet. And yeah. it sounds like, it sounds like this. It's um that sound the this the, the vocal effect on their voices isn't as bad as the clown, but it's still pretty fucking bad. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean you can kind of understand what they're saying a little bit better. So then she sits him down in ghost form. They're both ghosts now. Uh, I guess Daryl doesn't get to be a ghost. Um and tells him the story of his own death. You know, I was actually I was actually thinking to myself as as she was killing herself in order to become a ghost to be with her son. I'm like, you just killed Daryl. Like, so now you're going to yeah. have this abusive ghost who's going to be there all the time. I'm like, oh, thank goodness he wasn't there. Yeah, and that's that is the plot of my remake of Ghost Dad. <laughs> 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 Hor- horrible, horrible murder victim come back to fucking haunt the uh, the woman who. And killed you know him. what? It'll still star Bill Cosby. Of course, and it'll and it- be <laughs> topical and and fresh. So she tells him the story. By the way, Bobby died in a car accident. That's we find out that now, yeah. um, and that that's the end of the movie. The end. Yeah. Tales from the Quadet Zone. Will return is the first thing we see in the in the closing credits. Lies, <laughs> or is it? Apparently, Chester Turner is at work on a sequel to Tales from the Quieted Zone. That's uh, awesome. or has been has been for the last couple of years, and I really do hope 
that we see that. I think it would be a nice kind of bookend to this whole story. Yeah, I'd kind um, of, I, I would, I'd watch it absolutely. The problem with trying to recapture something like that is, um, it's really difficult. And it, it, you know, it without trying, without trying to make something look poor, I think it would be fun if he, like, everyone just got together and gave him all the resources that he could, and he he sincerely tried to do the best he could and see what he gets out of it. Yeah, and 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 hopefully it doesn't turn into fucking Birdemic too. Yeah, dude's in his late sixties, so you know yeah. I feel like he's learned a lot of shit from what nineteen eighty four, eighty five when he made this thing. Sure, I would imagine. That's the end, Mo. The closing credits don't really reveal much else except for the fact that there's a lot of fake names on it. Uh, and after one hour, Tales from the Quadded Zone is over. Mo, what are your final thoughts on Tales from the Quadded Zone? Well, you know, it's funny. I posted uh, that I was watching this for the show on my Facebook, and uh, and and one of my uh, regular commenter friends uh, said that he really hated this movie, and uh, and I said, I don't know, man. I found it oddly charming. Like like I like it's you know it's like it's got a lot of heart. It's it's a goofy fucking movie. Like it, there's there's a whole lot of parts that make absolutely no fucking sense, but it's super fucking charming, and it's I mean, and it's. It's so short that you can't really get mad at it for any of its faults, you know, because it's over by the time you would even think to be. And that last 20 minutes, as tonally off as it is from the rest of the movie, is so well done that, like, it's fine. It's 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 a really I mean, I'm not going to say it's a really good movie. It's not. But it's you know, it's it's a total completely watchable movie. Um, that even if you hate it, it's over in an hour. Who cares? It's very psychologically interesting. I feel yeah, like we're getting absolutely. some insight into its creator that that maybe he didn't even intend. I don't sure. know what it is necessarily, but it does yeah. seem like just the fact that the tones are so all over the place. Sure. The, this, the, the, the fact that the second story actually kind of just you know holds together as a story, but it's so different from the first, which is completely batshit and makes no sense at all. And yeah. then it goes into something that's such a slice of life bit of terror that it's almost like it actually has a level of, of disturbingness to it. Right. Um, it's, it's, it's a real mix. Yeah. Like yourself, Mo, I would have a lot of trouble hating, like hate, hate is such a strong word anyway, but yeah. I, like even... I wouldn't even say I dislike it simply because there's a mind at work here, but there's also a level above that of, boy, this is so strange. What 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 was going on in the person's head that made this come to be? Sure. So I'm going to give a recommendation to Tales from the Quad Dead Zone. Yeah, I would too. I would too, absolutely. Especially for listeners of this show. Uh, technically, yes, there are problems with the video. There are problems with the audio. Yeah, there's Yeah. There's huge audio issues. I mean, we're not going to beat around the bush on that one. Like the the audio on a good chunk of this movie is impossible to hear, but you you can pick up everything you need to know contextually. Yeah, you're never going to be confused about what's going on. Well, some elements you might, but in terms of the the major plot, you're not going to be like, "Hey, what's going on?" And especially you won't be because you just heard us break it down piece by fucking piece. Sure. Yeah. So yeah, check it out. Uh Mo, I should ask, have you ever seen Black Devil Doll from Hell? I have. And what did you think? I like it. I think it's I, I think it's a ridiculous movie that's a lot of fun to watch. It's got a lot more it's got a more direct hook than this yeah. one because yeah, 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 it yeah. does have a ventriloquist dummy at its center. Um I will say that Black Devil Doll was in some way an influence 
for us using a ventriloquist doll in rock, paper, scissors, at least once it was made available to us, but only on a very minor level. I have to be honest, I haven't seen it since the early 2000s, so I, I can't remember much about it. But mm. uh, but I, I, I have to say that the story of Chester Turner being rediscovered and appreciated, uh, one of the things in that New York Times article is that uh, Lars Nielsen when he was trying to put together the screening and inviting Chester Turner to come, he had a concern that there was almost like a racist element to uh, the the kind of ironic fandom that was developing for it. Where sure. like the idea is like, it's like, you know, this dumb black guy made this shot on video movie and let's make fun of him. But I think that there is a real sincere, I think maybe almost specifically to this micro budget community where there's a real celebration of imagination that can occur. Absolutely. Uh, and, and I think that there's a sincerity here, and I think it's one that we should take seriously. Really, it's when people betray their own abilities, and when there there's obviously not effort going on when there should be. That's what that's what makes me upset. Here, he's obviously trying as hard as he can and mm-hmm. working with what he has, and and that's I think admirable. And how nice also that there's you know this movie from the mid '80s that vanished for so long and then just kind of reappeared, and that's always a good thing too. We love seeing that on No Budget Nightmares. We do. Mo, what are we going to do? You know, the next episode of No Budget Nightmares, if it's released on a Monday, which it should be, mm-hmm. it would be released on October 31st, which my understanding is it's a pretty notable day. Yeah, that's All Hallows' Eve. Mm-hmm. So we, you and I, we're going to mm-hmm. do something a little bit different. You know, if you want to listen to a Halloween, specifically Halloween-themed episode of No Bunch of Nightmares, we have two of them already. There's the WNUF Halloween special. And what was that other one? Hallow something? Oh, it's uh, like Spooky Ween or something like Spooky that? Spooky Ween? That doesn't sound right. Maybe it is. <laughs> I don't know. But uh, I'd actually recommend the WNUF Halloween special episode, which wasn't too long ago. Yeah. Um, but we're going to do something a little bit different this year. Yeah. Mo doesn't want to describe it because we haven't worked out all the details yet. Um, but but needless to say, keep your eyes peeled on Halloween. Uh, we're going to be providing something for you that uh, that we haven't done before uh, and hopefully will not get us arrested. Um, and uh, and I think it'll be a, a lot of fun. And it, if it's not, you can just be like, oh, that was a failed experiment, but it'll be back to normal after that. It was called Haunted Ween, by the way. <laughs> not Spooky Ween? Not Spooky Ween. <laughs> Hey, close enough. Whatever. I was. I'm calling that one. So yes. So so for one of the first times, um, we're not going to be announcing our next episode's um, film. Uh, It's going to be a surprise not only to you but to both of us as well because (laughs) we got some details to work out. But uh, but keep your yeah keep your eyes and ears peeled. Ooh, that was almost a hint uh, for next. uh, Not next. The Monday of Halloween, October 31st, 2016. Booyah! Oh, where can people where can people find out more about No Budget Nightmares on the internet? Well, obviously, they'd, they'd want to go on to Facebook, since that's what all the cool kids are doing these days. Uh, and they go to facebook.com slash groups slash No Budget Nightmares, one word, or just simply search No Budget Nightmares. And, of course, we are uh, hosted over on dorkshelf.com. Check out that site and all of its great material. You can find uh, the last few episodes over there. And if you want to find our archives, you can go over to nobudgetpodcast.com. Through there, you can also, uh, on either on Dork Shelf or on no, uh, no Budget Podcast, you can subscribe via iTunes or Stitcher or the RSS feed There is there if you want to do it through some other program. Uh, please leave us feedback. Leave us uh, reviews on iTunes. We always appreciate it very 
very much. Yes, a new website is still coming. I just need a little bit of extra time. I have a week off upcoming, and it's going to be finished during that. Also, please, uh, if you if you really love No Budget Nightmares, and you should, you can always contribute to us via Patreon. We have a link to that also over on our No Budget uh, podcast page. Uh, we do have some uh, recent uh, contributors. Every little bit helps. You can contribute as little as a dollar per episode, and on average, we release about two episodes per month. So two bucks a month, I think that's something you can all swing, folks, and it helps us cover server costs and hosting costs and all of that shizzle. Um, but aside from that, Mo. What have you seen recently that's so damn good? Mother of God. I went into fucking overdrive this month for, like, the horror films. So I'm up to about 30 things. So I'm not going to, like... I'm give not, some highlights. Yeah, I'm going <laughs> to give you some highlights on what I've watched. I'm not going to go into full... Like, honestly, this this year's list of two-watch horror films for October that I've done is probably the best list I've ever come up with. I'm super happy with it. Uh, but I'll give you some give you some some uh, some highlights here. So I started off pretty strong. I watched uh, Stitches, which I really loved. Uh, and I mean, it's not my first time seeing it, but I, it's like one of those movies that I just really enjoy. Uh, I watched like Reanimator. Um, I've watched fun stuff like uh, like Fido or Monster Squad, and I've watched classics like I'm like uh, like on Halloween itself. I'm gonna watch uh, like I'm gonna watch Halloween because I always do. Uh, right. And the Exorcist, and the Exorcist, and uh, there's another one that I can't think of off the top of my head right now. Uh, Phantasm. I'm gonna watch Phantasm on on Halloween. Nice. This is um, a good year to watch Phantasm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. I, well, I'm gonna do. I, I'm gonna do a a f- like probably in November. I'm not gonna do it in October, but I want to do a day where I just do marathon the whole series um, since Ravager just came out. Um, and then I, I I watched some real classic shit. I watched Dracula's Risen from the Grave, which is super fun. And I've been I've I, and I'm gonna watch three of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. Like I'm kind of avoiding. Which three? I'm just watch. I'm just watching the good ones, like the the three the the holy trinity of Nightmare on Elm Street films, which is one, three, and New Nightmare. Um, I mean, I like two as well. You don't look. You're not a big fan of number four. Um, yeah, number four is it's weak, but it's not terrible it's better than five (laughs) (laughs) you know but yeah but my my favorites are are one two uh one two three and new nightmare those are my favorites but the holy trinity of nightmare and elm street films for me is one three and new nightmare right i think that makes sense in fact they almost make a good uh story in and of themselves right yeah yeah they're they're a perfect triple feature yeah and and, and not the remake of nightmare on elm street Mm mm-hmm Oh, lucky you. I, that sounds really interesting. <laughs> I'm glad that you're having a horror movie-themed October. I, unfortunately, have not had a lot of opportunities to watch as many horror movies as I'd like. I did watch the original Frankenstein because I was in the mood for it recently. And, of course, uh, nice. what am I going to say about that? I, however, did go to the movie theater and saw the Blair Witch uh, sequel. And, Why? Um, I, well, it's funny. You know, when it debuted at – I can't remember where it debuted. Was that like a uh, – a fest. Well, actually, it premiered at TIFF, I think, and the immediate response for it was incredibly positive. People were really were like, "This is great. This is you know, it does something really interesting." You think it's going to be regular found footage, and then it takes a weird turn, and it's going to be so different. I'm like, okay, but then like a couple of weeks after that, the movie actually came out, and the reviews were not positive at all. And I was like, okay, that sounds more like what I would have expected. However, I like the creative team behind it. I like Adam Wingard. I like the guest. I like you know, I I. I felt like there was potential, and in 
it's really hard to judge when it comes to horror movie reviews sometimes whether you're getting from people who who would appreciate it or not. So I'm like, well, there's mixed response. I'm going to go see it for myself. And also a friend of mine said, hey, let's go see this movie. I'm like, all right. Uh, and I did not like it. <laughs> I did not like it at all. And I love Blair Witch, yeah. the original. I do. I really like it. I, I I loved it at the time, and I still like it, and I still think it's really interesting. And I think it uh, it is exactly the sort of thing that we celebrate on No Budget Nightmares. It's just way bigger than any of it got way bigger than anything that we cover but it is the same sort of attitude just to go out there and do something experimental and interesting and make something of it with the resources that you had i think that's really uh admirable but this new one is not like that uh and it there's also i was gonna say that's one that's one of the one of the things i've been doing with with my october month as well is looking into like the better made found footage films because there's really not a lot there's four or five at tops so like I so like I watched Troll Hunter, which is probably the best found footage film ever made. Um, I like Wreck in, in, more than Troll Hunter. Y- yeah, yeah, Wreck Wreck is definitely up there. It would be like a tough call for me to decide which one I like better. But uh, like I also watched um, like As Above So Below, which I really enjoy, um, although it has issues. Um, but recently I watched uh, Creep, which I was. Thoroughly surprised at how much I liked it, even though other people have told me they didn't care for it so much. I really liked it. I thought like it it did something that's very rare in found footage films where it builds up tension almost to the point of like pain. Like you're sitting there in physical pain because you're waiting for that release. And then like it actually gives you the release, which is a huge problem with found footage films where like an hour will go by and you're building up all this tension and nothing fucking happens, you know? And I kind of like right. the fact that they, they give you these goofy little releases here and there to sort of, like, break that tension that you were trying for. And I think Mark Duplass plays fucking creepy perfectly. I really liked it. I, I've heard some good things about it. I've yet to see it myself. I will yeah. say that, by the way, that the Blair Witch, the new Blair Witch, does have a... Its final 10, 15 minutes are much better than what comes before it. But it only really works because it's so unhinged at that point and so much crazy stuff is happening. Mm. And that's... That's not the kind of tension that I necessarily like to build to. Also, it has way too many like sound scares where the sound will just sure, get really sure. loud for a yeah, second yeah, to scare yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. There was a found footage movie from like maybe five or six years ago, and it was called Evidence. Now, there's there were three movies or four movies that came out that same year called Evidence, but this one was made for like ten thousand dollars. And I know that it one of the writer I think was named Ryan McCoy. I remember interviewing him for Daily Grindhouse, and that movie was just very standard found footage but then in the final 10 minutes it gets so fucking crazy i remember it being like i was like i was like blown away i was like what is happening it it (laughs) it doesn't even build tension that well but somehow it pays off way more than it built up to it's really Uh really strange and it seems like almost no one has heard of that movie but i remember the ending being so fucked up so 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 like the end so so almost like the ending of like house of the devil where like yes that sort of thing where yeah Okay. Yeah, it, it basically goes from zero to 100. Uh, and, and then it's like, it, it does it for like 10 minutes, and then it's just over. And it's like, what the fuck yeah, did yeah, I yeah, just yeah. see? And of course, the really funny thing about it is it kind of undoes everything that came before it. It's like, what was the point of all that? <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so um, I haven't seen it for a while. I'm going to check it out again, I guess. Uh, but yes, Halloween is... Fast approaching, Mo. I'm glad that you've been uh, keeping up on your horror movies. Uh, I should mention that over on um, Dork Shelf, I just released my 
video essay on The Dungeon Master, the uh, Empire International Pictures film from the mid-80s, which is another anthology movie, just like Tales from the Quiet Ed Zone. It's a very <laughs> odd one for those who haven't seen it, also known as Rage War, by the way, uh, because it has uh, f- seven different filmmakers all tackling parts of... Uh, it's, a, it's sort of like a fantasy movie. I'm not just going to go into any detail. But basically, someone has to go through seven challenges in the movie. And each of these challenges are directed by a different person and are basically a short film that uh, just happens to have the same characters in it. And they all are supposed to piece together. And it doesn't hold together at all, but it's a really entertaining, very bizarre movie. Uh, and, and also, if you're a fan of Empire International and Full Moon Pictures, it, it, it I called it sort of like a sampler platter of a lot of the directors who would continue off with those two uh, companies. So if you like, if you were nice. interested, yeah, in in, in like uh, Ted Nicolau or John Buechler or uh, Dave Allen, they're all involved with it. So you get to see like a little bit from each one. And again, it, it it's only like 75 minutes long. So just like Tales from the Quieted Zone, uh, once it's over, you don't have a lot to complain about. Cool. You would have just wasted the time anyway. <laughs> but yeah, I have a video essay over at dorkshelf.com. Check that out. Uh, and Mo, uh, any writing lately over at uh, After Movie Diner? Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know if I talked. Did I talk about Clown Town last episode? I can't remember. Yeah, well, I mean, like the last thing I wrote for them is I did uh, I did reviews for both. Uh, they were back-to-back the day after each other. Uh, I did a review for a new film, Clown Town, uh, which I wrote the review up for. Uh, I I apologize to say that I'm not I'm not very kind to it. Um, and then I did a review for uh the new Kickboxer Kickboxer for for AMD as well. Thumbs up on Kickboxer. Fuck yeah. <laughs> that's good to know. And that's a high point that we're going to end on today. Yes, we've come to the end of No Budget Nightmares once again. We shall return for Halloween. You can join us uh, on that day for a very special episode, our very special Halloween special of No Budget Nightmares. But until then, Mo and I will bid you adieu. Mo, say goodnight. Good night, folks. Good night.